Hey, podcast family. Listen, I wanted to share this with you because it just goes to show how fast treatment guidelines change, especially regarding sexually transmitted infections from the CDC. So I just got off this text conversation with a good friend of mine, a fantastic healthcare provider, not an OBGYN but still does women's health care. And so he saw this young girl with pelvic pain uh, that was pretty nondescript, normal ultrasound, and appropriately, he got a urine for gonorrhea and chlamydia. All right, well, that urine test came back positive for gonorrhea. So he said, look, I just want to send you to follow up, uh, send her to follow up with you so you can make sure everything is okay. But don't worry, I gave her the recommended ceftriaxone and Zithromax combination for her gonorrhea. And I said, fantastic, I'll be happy to see her. But that's not the CDC recommended dose and regimen. Of course, his text was, what? (laughs) I mean, we've been doing that for 10 years, right? It was dual therapy for Neisseria gonorrhea with ceftriaxone and Zithromax. Yep, well, that changed late last year. So that is no longer CDC recommended algorithm or treatment plan for uncomplicated Neisseria gonorrhea. So in this podcast, let's cover the new treatment guidelines from the CDC, which is no longer dual agent for Neisseria gonorrhea, but it's actually weight-based. So let's get into that now. Sexually transmitted infections caused by the bacteria Neisseria gonorrhea or gonococcal infections have increased 63% since 2014 and are a cause of sequelae, as we all know, including pelvic inflammatory disease, ectopic pregnancy, and infertility. Plus, Neisseria gonorrhea infections can facilitate transmission of human immunodeficiency virus, HIV. Effective treatment can prevent these complications and transmission, but Neisseria gonorrhea's ability to acquire antimicrobial resistance influences treatment recommendations and complicates this control. In 2010, over 10 years ago, CDC had recommended a single 250-milligram IM dose of ceftriaxone and a single 1-gram dose of oral azithromycin for the treatment of uncomplicated gonococcal infections of the cervix, urethra, pharynx, and rectum. And this was done as a strategy for preventing ceftriaxone resistance and treating possible co-infection with chlamydia. Ah, but as we're all familiar now, there's now a thing called antibiotic stewardship, an increased concern for antimicrobial stewardship and the potential impact of this dual therapy on just the regular body microbiome has now caused a shift in the CDC preferred treatment for Neisseria. Now, this has also been done in conjunction with the continued low incidence of ceftriaxone resistance and the increased incidence of azithromycin resistance. So the CDC updated the treatment regimen for Neisseria gonorrhea in 2020. And again, we're going to cover that right now. Now, before we get into these new doses, it's important to know how this history timeline occurred from 2010 to now. In 2011, the minimum inhibitory concentration, the MIC, of cefixime necessary to inhibit Neisseria gonorrhea growth in vitro were actually found to be increasing. Now, remember I said cefixime, not ceftriaxone. So because this dose of cefixime has increased, and I'll tell you what that dose is in just a moment, it is definitely considered an alternative and not first line for Neisseria anymore. 
Actually, in 2012, cefixime was no longer a recommended gonococcal regimen. With ceftriaxone and again, azithromycin combination therapy, the only recommended regimen for uncomplicated gonorrhea at that time. But since publication of the 2015 STI treatment guidelines, again, this concern for antimicrobial stewardship has increased. And now we know more about the true resistance patterns of ceftriaxone for gonorrhea. And so this treatment algorithm, this preferred regimen has changed once again. My poor friend. I mean, his text. Let me just read this right verbatim. What the hell? Sorry. I just had to give you that text response when I told him that azithromycin was no longer part of the preferred treatment. And because it moves so fast, azithromycin resistance in Isiri gonorrhea is actually an increasing concern. Genomic epidemiological data confirm that azithromycin resistance can actually result from multiple mechanisms. So it's been removed from the 2020 CDC recommended treatment for Neisseria. Here it is. For treatment of uncomplicated urogenital, rectal, or pharyngeal gonorrhea, the CDC recommends a single 500 milligram IM dose of ceftriaxone. Again, that's 500 milligrams IM dose of ceftriaxone recephin. Now, for persons weighing greater than 150 kilos, that's 300 pounds, a single 1 gram IM dose of ceftriaxone should be administered. Do y'all get that? So if they're under 300 pounds or 150 kilos, it's a single 500 milligram dose IM of rocephin. And if they're greater than 150 kilos or 300 pounds, it's one gram. And again, that's single agent therapy, no longer dual therapy. But if chlamydial infection has not been excluded, then of course doxycycline, 100 milligrams twice a day for seven days is recommended. That's another change. Doxycycline is recommended over ceftriaxone because of the increased resistance concerns. In pregnancy, however, chlamydia is still treated, of course, with 1 gram Zithromax, but the treatment for gonorrhea still would follow the CDC recommendation of either 500 milligrams IM ceftriaxone or 1 gram IM ceftriaxone based on weight. Now, if administration of IM ceftriaxone is not available, then a single 800 milligram oral dose of cefixime is an alternative regimen. However, and here's a clinical pearl, cefixime does not provide as high or as sustained bactericidal blood levels as does ceftriaxone, and it demonstrates limited treatment efficacy for pharyngeal gonorrhea. All right, so I hope you got that clinical pearl. If ceftriaxone is not available, then cefixime can be done. But remember, the traditional dose was 400 milligrams orally. That's now been bumped up to 800 milligrams orally, and that's only in cases, again, where ceftriaxone is not available. And you should be careful with cefixime when treating pharyngeal cases of gonorrhea. All right, so if you're asked where is the role for cefixime in this new 2020 CDC guideline for gonorrhea, it's only if IM ceftriaxone is not available and it can be considered in cases of expedited partner therapy. In cases where gonococcal expedited partner therapy, that's remember where the provider writes a prescription or medication for the patient to take to a sex partner without the healthcare provider first examining that partner, when that's permissible by state law and the partner is unable or unwilling or unlikely to seek timely treatment, then the partner may be treated with a single 800 milligram oral dose of cefixime 
provided that concurrent chlamydial infection in the patient, of course, has also been excluded. Otherwise, the partner may be treated with the single oral 800mg cefixime plus the oral doxy twice a day for seven days if chlamydia has not yet been ruled out. All right, podcast family, you should be asking, that's fantastic. I get ceftriaxone, I get cefixime, but what if the patient has a cephalosporin allergy? Well, that sucks. So what do we do with that? Well, in cases where ceftriaxone cannot be given because of an allergy to a cephalosporin, then the CDC has you covered. It's a single 240 milligram IM dose of gentamicin plus two grams of oral Zithromax. All right, so let's cover all this in perspective. First go-to is ceftriaxone, either 500 milligrams or one gram IM based on weight. If that's not possible, then you can go to 800 milligrams single-agent therapy of PO cefixime. But if they have an allergy, then 240 milligrams IM of gentamicin and two grams oral dose of azithromycin is a treatment recommended. All right, let's start to wrap this up because I don't want this to get too long. But look how important this is. You know when the CDC changed this? They changed this in the middle of December 2020, just last month. Remember, we're taping this in the middle of January 2021. And with all this stuff going on, the CDC said, yeah, let's change the gonorrhea treatment regimen because we don't have enough things going on. This was out of their MMWR report. And the truth is, medicine and information changes. And when it changes, we just have to adapt no matter what else is going on around us. So let's wrap this up with a quick recap of test of cure and when that's needed. According to the CDC, a test of cure is unnecessary for people with uncomplicated urogenital or rectal gonorrhea who have been treated with the recommended or even the alternative regimen. However, for people with pharyngeal gonorrhea, a test of cure is recommended using either culture or, of course, a more common nucleic acid amplification test anywhere from 7 to 14 days after initial treatment, and that's regardless of the treatment regimen. So y'all get that? For your oral bores, or if you're ever asked who needs a test of cure, of course, we're talking outside of pregnancy because pregnancy, a test of cure is recommended for obstetrical reasons. But in general, You do not need a test of cure for urogenital or rectal gonorrhea, or even chlamydia for that matter, that's been treated with a recommended or the first-line alternative treatment, excluding pharyngeal cases. You do need to do a test of cure for pharyngeal cases. Now remember, test of cure and retesting are two different things. Test of cure in general is done anywhere from two to four weeks after treatment to make sure it's gone. So while test of cure may not be recommended for urogenital or rectal gonorrhea that's been treated in the general population, that's different than retesting for reinfection. Remember, the CDC states that their chance of reinfection is highest in the first three months to one year after initial diagnosis. So the CDC does recommend rechecking everyone checked for gonorrhea or chlamydia at three months after treatment. And if that's not possible, then checking them again at one year after treatment. Of course, you can check more frequently if they're at at risk behavior or have multiple unprotected sex partners. All right, that brings us to a wrap. That's it. Thank you for being part of Clinical Pearls, and we'll see you next time on another episode.